Welcome in to the podcast for all fans of the best basketball league in the world. For the next 24 minutes, everything you need to know about the NBA is given to you in the simplest of ways, straight to the point. No overloads of stats or articles, just telling it like it is so that even a non-NBA fan becomes a fanatic. So get ready. Warm-ups just ended, and the possession arrow belongs to... Back again, and this week, well, I'm not in such a good mood. I was in a good mood last week, mainly because I was able to be joined once again by Andrew Thomas, and as I do with all my guests, I can't thank them enough for their time to take time out of their busy schedules to come on and talk some hoops with me on the Throwing Elbows podcast, and we're back again, and we're really in the home stretch now. We're getting in the thick of it. There's not much time left before we blink, and I say, oh, Let's break down the playoff matchups. But if there's one thing that I have to get off my chest before we get into that stretch where I'm breaking down games in the end of the regular season, heading into the playoffs, really in the last few weeks of the regular season, there's one major issue that I've come across since... Really, the last few acquisitions made by the Brooklyn Nets sparked it. Now, this issue has been something in the NBA for a while now. Ever since the days of the juggernaut Warriors. Hell, even you could say the Spurs when they were good. Well, what seems like a long time ago. 2014? Yeah, that, that that's a little while. There's this... How should I say it? conspiracy almost there's this idea that the system is against somebody that this league is against somebody and I can't take it people are easy so easy to forget how we got to where we are but that's why I'm here That's why I don't forget. What am I talking about? I can't waste any more time. Let's not even play an intro and get right into it. Space Jam trailer came out. A new legacy, huh? I think it's been well informed and well aware of anybody who listens to this podcast regularly or knows me personally that I'm not the biggest LeBron James supporter or fan, I should say. Am I saying he's an all-time great? Of course. Am I saying he's he a top five player of all time, top three, top two player of all time? Absolutely. I'm saying he's one of the most generational talents the NBA's ever seen? Of course. I'd be absolutely idiotic to say that any of those last statements were false. But I'm not an idiot in saying that Michael Jordan is the greatest player who ever lived, and there's a lot to that plain statement. And there's a lot to be said, and you can't unravel it all. In fact, I might do a series of it come the offseason, but that, that's another day. But I, And I try to keep this conversation out of this podcast because there's really no point in having this kind of an argument. The LeBron sexuals are going to stay the LeBron sexuals. The Jordan supporters are going to stay the Jordan supporters like myself. There's nothing that can be said about anything about either side that's going to swing one or another. There are certain points about this argument that annoy the piss out of me. So, let's go back to the conspiracy. 
right? This so-called stigma against the guy, the moneymaker, the face that runs the place. Why does the NBA hate him? Why is the NBA trying to stop him? He's the GOAT. Ed, what the hell are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge make their way to Brooklyn to round out what is, at one point, you could make the argument that every one of the five players in Brooklyn's starting five, if LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin start, you could make the case that all five of those guys were the best at their respective positions at one point in their career. That's insane. That's crazy. That's excellent GM work. And that is what the Brooklyn Nets have created for themselves. A really favorable team and a likely NBA Finals Eastern Conference representative. They did it all by themselves. They did a great job. And yet this argument always loops back to LeBron James. And you know what? That's not the part that makes me upset. He's the best player in the world. He's the best player in the NBA. He has been for over a decade. Sure, a lot of conversations will somehow find their way back to him. But any conversation that finds their way back to LeBron James will naturally find their way back to the GOAT debate, as we are doing right here. Here's the meat and potatoes of what I have to get into. So we've established that the Nets have made themselves a near juggernaut with the talent standpoint in their lineup, whether that's starting or whether that's Aldridge and Griffin coming off the bench, moving guys like DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie's hurt, but he'll be back. This Nets team is not only talented, but they've got some depth to them as well. This is a legitimate threat to win the NBA championship and dethrone the defending champion Lakers, especially considering the Lakers' injury issues at the time. I don't think that's going to be an issue come the playoffs, but injuries have a tendency to linger sometimes, so you never know. So, with all that being said, that sounds like a hell of a lot of excuses as to why bronze sexuals can defend their guy. Jordan would have lost these guys too, man. I don't know what to tell you. You try beating five all-stars in a lineup, man. How's LeBron supposed to do this by himself, man? Yeah, I agree. I don't expect him to. In fact, I, I, I don't think he would if you gave him another all-star in the Lakers like, oh, I don't know, Andre Drummond. I still don't think he might beat the, the Nets in a seven-game set. Uh, so so, so if, if he can't beat him, how can you put that against him in the GOAT debate? Oh, that's just another finals loss for him. Yeah, that's what it all comes down to, the finals record, man. Nothing else matters. Did I sound kind of stupid and ignorant and arrogant in that voice? I hope that's what I came across as because that's what I was going for. Because that's exactly what these people are that try to make this debate, that try to make this argument. You know why? Because people forget. People forget about how easily things originate. And where they originate from. I'm taking my talents to South Beach. Those words, when they were spoke in 2010, 
started what has become, you could maybe say a dark age in the NBA, in a lot of fans' eyes, and it's the age of player empowerment. Players have more power now than they ever have. There have been stars left and right in this basketball league for decades. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, The Iceman, Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, Tim Duncan, the list goes on and on. Hall of Famers, all-time greats, come and go with ease. And that's in any sport, but the NBA is no different in that regard. The talent level and the personalities, the charisma, the egos, they've always been in this league. They've been a crucial part to the upbringing of the NBA as to what it is today from a popularity standpoint amongst sports faithful. But now more than ever, players have a say in anything, in things that maybe they shouldn't. And maybe there was a reason they didn't up until this point. Let me tell, let me explain what I mean. And this is going to be a long rant, so stay with me. But I think it'd be worth it. Think about all those names I just said. Think about how much power they had as players. You go back to the days of Chamberlain, Russell, Jerry West, Oscar Robertson, those names. Those guys, free agency wasn't even a remote thought. You didn't back then look at your contract and say, oh, well, four years down the line, I could go to L.A., I could go here, this team's looking like a good output here, I could maybe build something good here, oh, maybe if I joined up with my buddy here. That wasn't even a thought. All right, that, that's not a thought. You just played on your team. If you got traded, you got traded. If you got released, you got released, whatever. Then we go into the 70s and the merger with the ABA. Oh, a few more teams in the mix, few, some more talent, maybe some differences in salary cap and some restrictions and as far as movement is concerned, different locations to think about when it comes to if you wanted to request a trade or if you wanted to change location because you think it would better your career as a player. Yeah, new variants come into play. Then you move into the 80s with the biggest boom of the NBA with Magic and Larry Bird happen. They say Magic and Larry saved the NBA, and there's a lot of truth to that. And they set the groundwork for Michael Jordan to ultimately soar and take the NBA to a global level. So think about everything I've just said. There's a lot of room there for Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, Dr. J of the ABA. They could have as much power, they could have had as much power as LeBron James does now. But why didn't they? Why weren't people saying that Magic Johnson was pulling all the strings behind the scenes? Well, because Pat Riley's a hell of an executive, right? Pat Riley's one of the best executives the NBA's ever seen, if not the best. Okay, okay, that, that, that makes sense. Larry Bird. Oh, well, the Celtics are an excellent organization. They had 10-plus titles up until that point. They were the standard 
franchise in the NBA. They gave the credit to the organization. Okay, Larry Bird, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what happened? Where did the switch flip to where now the general consensus is that LeBron James pulls the strings wherever he goes? Where's the general consensus of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving had more with James Harden making his way to Brooklyn than the Brooklyn Nets did? Where did that line happen? That switch was flipped when LeBron said he was taking his talents to South Beach. The general argument is this, and my side of the general argument is this. Super teams, the term of a super team, which to me means three or more all-stars on a, on a basketball team. That didn't happen with three stars meet, meeting up via free agency. That didn't happen before LeBron James's Miami trip. Here comes, here comes the LeBron sexuals again. The Celtics did it just two years before. Again, there's a lot of ignorance there. Am I a Celtics fan? Yes. But here's the difference. I don't have to be. I could be a Celtics fan. I could be a Knicks fan. I could be a freaking LeBron fan. And if I had a brain, I could tell you Rajon Rondo and Paul Pierce were drafted by the Boston Celtics. Rajon Rondo was not the star point guard that he is or ended up being at one point in his Celtics career that early in his career. Was he good? Yes, he was, but he wasn't as good as he always was. He was upcoming. Wasn't as good as he always was. Paul Pierce had been there for years before Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen made their way to Boston, which was not via free agency. Both Garnett and Allen were acquired via trade. So my argument is that Paul Pierce didn't make that Celtics Fantastic Four. Kevin Garnett did not make that Fantastic Four. Ray Allen did not make that. Rajon Ronda did not make that. You know who made that? Danny freaking Ainge. The organization made that happen. And that fits into the narrative here. Nobody then at that time was saying, oh, Paul Pierce made this happen. Paul Pierce had Kevin Garnett traded here. Paul Pierce said, let's go get Ray Allen. Paul Pierce said, you got to draft Rondo. No, they gave credit where credit was due. The organization made the right moves to make that roster possible. I make the argument by that logic that the Golden State Warriors weren't your traditional super team meetup because the three all-stars that the Warriors had were drafted by the organization. Kevin Durant just wanted to go there. But that's off the record. That's, that's not the point here. Here's where the point comes in. LeBron made his own bed with facing these super teams. Because LeBron laid the groundwork. LeBron showed that if you have the balls to tell a team, I'm not coming back unless you do this. The organizations all of a sudden said, Oh, well, 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 you're our centerpiece. You're our moneymaker. We need you. And the player said, yeah, you do need me. You don't have to be the generational star that LeBron James is to have that kind of power anymore. But nobody really had the balls to say something like that until LeBron did. Which, all the power to him. 
But I'm just saying, he does that, and then everybody else starts getting ideas. It's a copycat league. Somebody comes up with a good idea, it's bound to be repeated. Oh, uh, Kevin Durant, I can't believe he went to Golden State. Can you? He left a small market town that embraced him for how good he was at such a young age for taking his team to a finals appearance at one point. They didn't do very well in that finals, but he got them there. And he was so well-liked and well-appreciated in this small market town at the small forward position. He was a generational talent. And then he leaves for a more sunny and, and, and big city feel to a team that already had a few all-stars on it, some success in the past, to ultimately propel them to championship glory. Huh. Where the hell have I seen that blueprint before? He did it to himself. That's it. We're 18 minutes into this rant, and I've gotten to my point. LeBron James made his own bed. He laid the groundwork for this to happen. Was there Stockton and Malone? Yes. Was there McHale and Walton and Bird? Yes. Was there Johnson and Worthy and Kareem? Yes. There were big threes in the NBA prior to the Heat. I understand that. I'm not deaf nor blind to that. But what you, who try to make this argument in the case of the second best player, what you tend to miss out on is where the credit should go. And that's to the organizations for making it happen. James Worthy didn't come from another team to play with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was drafted because the Lakers got themselves in a position to draft Worthy at that high spot in that year's draft. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had success in Milwaukee and then went to L.A. to only make a tandem. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen were both drafted by the Bulls. Dennis Rodman joined them. And here's the thing. People want to make that case about against Jordan, right? You didn't need Rodman. And if Rodman doesn't come there, there's an argument to be made that they don't three-peat once again for the second time in the 90s. But here's the thing. They'd won titles without Rodman before then. Adding Rodman was not necessary to propel them to the title. They'd already gotten there. They just made themselves better. That wasn't a big three joining up to win the championship. They'd already won, and then they just added Rodman. And it just made matters better. If you take anything away from this, it's you have to remember where you started to fully understand where you are now. And nobody's doing that. Nobody's doing that. Nobody's holding LeBron against that standard. Right? You're being hypocritical. If you're going to complain about other teams stacking up to stop the GOAT and then turn right around and when there's reports that LeBron has been recruiting Steph Curry since the All-Star game to come to L.A. when his contract with Golden State's up, that's – are you kidding me? 
You're going to complain about Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant because, oh, no, that means LeBron might lose in the finals again. I don't know why Sylvester Stallone's sad about that. But then you're going to turn around and say, oh, my God, man, how, how cool would it be if Curry and LeBron, they're on the same court? It'd be unstoppable. Yeah, LeBron the GOAT. You sound, do you, you see how idiotic that sounds? How reasonable can you be when you make this argument? It fires me up, and I hope you can tell because I'm 20 minutes into this, and I've finally gotten to my point, and you can tell how freaking mad it makes me. I will be the first to tell you, if LeBron James, with as many bites at the apple as he's gotten, can catch Jordan in the rings department, that'll take a massive hit for Jordan's legacy. As far as where he ranks in place with LeBron, I'll be able to admit that. But for those who try to say that these losses don't mean as much because A, Jordan would lose to these teams too, and B, it ain't fair to LeBron because he doesn't have the control over these players going other places trying to beat him. Yeah, he did. He had control in 2010. He may not have known it, but he did. He was the face of the NBA then. He made the call himself, and here we are today. Unreal. Unreal how people forget and just can't look at history because the answer has been staring them in the face this whole time. I'm done. I'll see you next week. Hope you took something from this. Well, looks like the shot clock has expired. Never miss an episode of Throwing Elbows with me, Eddie D. The NBA podcast by the unlikely NBA guy can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast outlets. You can also find today's episode on YouTube. Search Throwing Elbows with Eddie D. Click on the first playlist you see. When the league's in season, so am I, as I'll be putting out new episodes every week of the NBA season. Be sure to come back next time to see what we got coming out of this timeout.